Sinner, skin sensation to tennis star. Italian was a ski champion before he turned his hand to tennis. This is from the official atp2.com website. And you're listening to the Yannick Sinner Show by Leonardo Poggi here with me. I'm Miki Fossati. Welcome to episode one. Leo, was Sinner really a skin sensation? Hi, everyone. And I'm going to answer to this question with another question. I'm going to give you three names. Henry Battilani, Federica Sosio, Matteo De Vettori. Have you ever heard about these three persons? <laughs> I guess nobody did. <laughs> okay, it's no disrespect at all for these three persons, of course, but they are a good example of why the answer to your question is no. Yannick Sinner was a good skier as a child, as many of, uh, of, of the people who live where he was born uh, are and were, because that's one of the most... Uh, popular skiing destinations in Italy and in Europe, in fact. And he wa actually won, yes, a, a number of uh, junior championships when he was about 12 or 13. But the road from winning a junior championship to actually becoming a skiing sensation is quite long. The three names I gave you before, they are uh, winners of the gold medal in the World Junior Alpine Skiing Championship, Matteo De Vettori won the combined in 2014 and, and the bronze in the Super G. Henry Battilani won the Downhill World Junior Championship. And we are talking junior, not 12 years old, but 19 years old. So it's the step right before entering the actual professional world of skiing. And Federica Sosio, in the same year, 2015, won the Super G. None of these three persons and many others um, who won this championship, they, they didn't become actual champions in the, the real meaning of, of the word that everybody has in mind when they say skiing sensation, for instance. It's still a very long road from this point to the Skiing World Cup. So there's no need to go on further on this. So Yannick was not. A skiing sensation maybe he could have become what do you think he is a an athletic person is one of those persons who probably can excel at any sport you you throw at him no yeah yeah probably um the place where he comes from is a place where you probably start skiing before even before you start walking when you're very very young yeah. and i've met a lot of very, very good skiers in this part of Italy. And it's not impossible that someone with his body and his determination could have been a very, very good skier. But between very good and, you know, world-class, uh, there is a, a big difference. This is true also for tennis, right? Yes, yes, of course. We mentioned this because it's not only the, the ATP website that says this, but um, many, I have to say, Italian broadcasters did mention the, the skiing part when Sinner started to become uh, famous, but now they, they dropped it. They almost never mentioned it anymore. From time to time, I do listen to the, the, the broadcast uh, by 
uh, English commentators, and almost every time I hear uh, them, they bring up the fact that he was a skier, and uh, which is why he moves so well on the court and, and so on. Which I don't know. It seems a bit uh, preposterous to me. But the fact that he was born where he was born, it actually is important. In, yeah, um, it's in, important in for two reasons, maybe. One reason is that the part of Italy where it comes from uh, has two names, one name in Italian and a different name in German. In Italian, uh, it's called Alto Adige. And it's a place where near the border of Austria, and there is a huge German-speaking community uh, in this place. And Sinner was born in San Candido, that is uh, the name of his village in uh, in Italian. But this village has also a German name that I don't know how to pronounce because yes, I'm Italian as Sinner is, but I don't belong to this community, so. Probably the name is Inichen or something like that, but I can't pronounce that correctly. And the mother tongue of Yannick Sinner wasn't Italian, but was German. Yes, and this is, first of all, reflected in the way he speaks. Uh, when, uh, when he speaks Italian, he does not speak a correct Italian. Uh, you can uh, immediately tell where he's coming from and that Italian is, is not his first language. He makes uh, s several mistakes typical of uh, people who come from that uh, part of Italy uh, and also the, the way he pronounces words. It's, it's very clearly with the accento alto atesino, we say, so with an accent from Alto Adige or South Tyrol. This uh, it's one of the basis of the relationship between Sinner and the rest of Italy. Let's say so. It's not only him, of course. It's uh, the whole um, part, that whole region of Italy, that whole area. Actually, it's not a region properly, but it's a provincia autonoma. We say so, autonomous province of um, Alto Adige. Yeah, the relationship has its uh, quirks. Let's say so. So yeah, in Alto Adige, the life conditions are on average better. It's a richer region compared to the rest of Italy on average. Uh, this uh, plus the fact that not everybody, but many of them have still has German as a first language. And for example, in school, you can choose now if you want to learn whatever you're learning in, in Italian or in German. Um, opens up some gaps between uh, this community and the rest of Italy. They are seen like far away from quote-unquote the Italian, the tradition, the Italian culture, and this not for everybody is uh, taken as a good thing, uh, let's say. And we can, we can make some examples. At the last Internazionale d'Italia in Rome, Sinner didn't draw huge crowds in the stadium and those who were there did not cheer for him too much. They, they weren't against him, of course, they were for him, but they didn't cheer him with as much passion as you would expect the crowd to cheer for the Italian tennis uh, player number one in this moment. And the same way they sometimes cheer for uh, Fognini, for instance, or Sonego, when he's on fire. 
And we suspect one of the reasons is this. And this was very interesting because, for example, in, in the second round in Paris, in, in the Grand Slam, um, Roland Garros, when he lost, actually, uh, the game against Altmaier, the crowd was literally going crazy for him. So it's something that belongs for some reason to, to Italy in particular. And we wonder if this is reflected also in the relationship between Yannick and the rest of, you know, the fans and the press and everything goes around uh, tennis today. Yeah, I want to point out that that's not what we think about uh, no, the people exactly. from uh, Alto Adige. We, I mean, me and Miki. But uh, yes, language is uh, one of the main markers of ethnic distinction, let's say so. And um, in fact, the history of that uh, area is is an history that is not linked to Italy as strongly as um, the rest of, uh, of Italy. Geographically, it is part of Italy in the sense that it's on this side of the Alps almost entirely. But historically, Alto Adige became part of Italy only after the First World War, 1919. Before that, it was part of the uh, Austrian or Austrian-Hungaric uh, Empire. And uh, for many years later on, this was not uh, a place where everybody was immediately settled, of course. Uh, we see nowadays, we have always seen conflicts around the world which are based also on uh, language dif differences or uh, different tradition, uh, a sense of belonging to a different ethnic group and so on. And uh, for, a, for a period, the clash between the German-speaking community in, of that region and Italy was a violent uh, relationship. There were uh, a number of... Uh, Bombing. Yeah, bombs placed... Uh, even in the not so distant past, in, in the 70s, and I think also in the 80s even. Um, so only after that, now now everything is calm, and um, there is, um, as Miki mentioned, the region is very rich, also because it's one of those, uh, we call them Regioni a Statuto Speciale, uh, or province a Statuto Speciale, so special status regions or provinces, and uh, this means that uh, the, the relationship between those areas and the state is different compared to other parts of Italy, especially when it comes to taxes. Uh, so that's an, a very rich region and a region that uh, receives tax treatment, which gives them more ad advantage, which is also why um, this region is uh, is very prosperous, and you can if you visit. It's a be beautiful region. It's the region where, together with Veneto, where the Dolomiti Mountains are. It's really, really beautiful. And if you go there, everything is just squeaky clean, perfect. It looks like they finished building it one um, minute <laughs> before you you arrive but it's always like that so i i mean it's 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 a very nice place they know how to to, to use the money they have
But uh, anyway, this was to say that the the clashes, the tension between Alto Adige and the rest of Italy have an historic um, background. They have been there before Sinner was born, but not too long ago. And uh, they still are there also from the, the part of Italy, in the sense that there is a little bit of complex of uh, inferiority, probably. I mean, we look at mm, them as the, ri the rich guys and, uh, yeah, and people who don't speak our language. It's already ex self-explanatory, but uh, for those who don't know Italy, it needs some explanation in the sense that uh, Italy is, um, when it comes to language, there's many different dialects. I use the word very loosely. Actually, some of these dialects are language in their own right. For instance, uh, the people who live in Sardinia, they speak Sardo, which is not a dialect of Italian. It's a language with its own rules and the words, mm, very different. And anyway, in any region of, of Italy, everybody speaks, used to speak until, let's say, 50, 60 years ago, uh, its own dialect. Most people didn't even speak Italian, only spoke uh, the original dialect. Still, nowadays, most people know Italian and the, the original language, and you can hear immediately where somebody is coming from because the way they pronounce uh, words or certain words they use and so on. But when you hear somebody from Naples, for instance, or from Sicily, or from uh, Milan, or from Tuscany, you can immediately say that they are from this part of uh, Italy, but you don't think they are not from Italy. No, you They are, mm -hmm. this guy is, is a Roman, this guy is uh, Napoletano, this guy is Sardo. When you hear the, the accent of Yannick Sinner, some people, not everybody, but some people, think Tedesco, German. Mm -mm -mm. Like, no, he doesn't belong. Yes, um, um, let me add that this is kind of a superpower we Italian have. Uh, when I speak with my British friends and I hear some accent coming in I, on the street, for example, I can look, geolocate very, very carefully this accent and they are very stunned by this ability and i'm not even very good at that so this is very true i think uh, it's it's also a a matter of uh, not feeling uh, people from alto adige belonging to to italy and one of the the examples coming from to 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 sinner is when uh, two years ago i think he was playing in vienna in austria and in the Vienna tournament, they have this uh, nice uh, habit of having a display very close to the, uh, the bench where the, the players sit uh, after every two games. And there usually is some sort of brief cheering for that specific uh, player in his specific uh, language. And the first time that uh, Yannick uh, played there, at the first round, the cheering was in German. And this um, caused quite some uh, 
polemica commotion commotion yes on the in the in the italian tennis twitter for instance many people were complaining why do they 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 wrote it in in german he's in his italian is not german it should be forza yannick and not uh, i don't remember whatever whatever it was written but yeah again i don't know who decides this i don't even know if they ask the players or or just uh, their own initiative but anyway there is nothing wrong in, the, in writing something in german for cheering uh yannick because that's the language he started speaking since he uh, he was born but it touches a nerve i don't know if that's a way of saying in in english but um, yeah 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 it is yeah okay it's worth mentioning that we are not sure huh? so we are describing italy yes that's that's how italy is but we don't know how much of what we are saying actually influenced uh the the development of Yannick Sinner as a person and as a player it's just an hypothesis I recently saw on Netflix a very good documentary on Alberto Tomba uh, which actually was <laughs> a skiing sensation not only an Italian skiing sensation but a worldwide skiing sensation in the 80s and the 90s uh, he's one of the best skiers ever and um, the documentary is is, is called uh, vincere in salita so winning uphill mm -hmm. and it's it's i don't know if it's available in countries other than italy if it is i really recommend to check it out because it's really really interesting also if you don't follow too much ski and um one of the things that is said in this documentary is that he was like an UFO in the sense that traditionally the Italian skiers, the very good, I mean, the professionals are coming from two areas of Italy. One is Alto Adige, Trentino Alto Adige, also from Trento. The other area is uh, Val d'Aosta, which is uh, um, above Turin and uh, also is a re special region it's it's close to the border with french so they speak french and so the the names that you are typically seeing uh, when when there is some italian uh, skier especially in the past were all or either french sounding names or german sounding names like gustav Tony, for instance was or so having someone from bologna which is on the in the flat part of italy it's far from the mountains no one came from there uh, in the ski uh, world he was like an ufo and he was not completely accepted some people rejected him even from the italian side because he didn't belong to that community which usually was uh, dominating the italian alpine ski uh, now it's not like that anymore. Uh, we have also, for instance, Sofia Goggia uh, or Marta Bassino, with Italian-sounding names, traditionally Italian-sounding names. But at, when when Tomba entered the the ski world, this difference between him and the traditional part of the Italian uh, ski world has gone with him through for all his career. So when I when I saw the, this documentary, I thought, well. Yannick 
is like a, a reverse Alberto Tommo. Story. UFO. <laughs> Uh, is also a UFO, uh, which is coming from the part which traditionally is the skiing part of Italy and entered uh, an area which uh, didn't belong to um, persons named like him. And I wonder, and I'm asking this to you, if this is also informs the relationship he has with the Italian press. What do you think? Is this imaginary or is is there some part of the Italian press who maybe they, they don't even confess to themselves, but they, they, they would like better to have, uh, uh, I don't know, Berrettini or Musetti or uh, Cobolli, proper Italian names, let's say so, triumphing in tennis. Is this a possibility or... Well, it never been, it's never been explicit, uh, as far as I know. I never saw anything written down or said out loud. But the feeling we have, the feeling I have is that, uh, yeah, there is a different treatment um, between Yannick and, and, other, and other players. Now we have this wave of new, young and very strong players and so we can see what kind of coverage they they have. And definitely for Sina, there is a little bit of maybe shyness or coldness compared to, to other to other players. Also in the bad things, I mean when Musetti starts playing uh, starts losing matches, uh, the the backlash we have from the press and the people is huge compared to what's happening to Sina. Um, so yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe there is something unconscious about not feeling Sina completely part of of Italy. That is wrong, by the way. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I can say it's not the press, but I know people who explicitly told me. I don't root for him. It's normal people, and eh? not uh, not a journalist or, or anything else. But I I have heard people telling me I don't root for him because it's uh, German. It's not ah, Italian. Okay. Why why should okay. I root for him? Okay, nice. Welcome to Italy. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And also, another thing that makes me think that we are on the right track with with this uh, idea is when you mentioned that in Rome there was not this level of enthusiasm that we have seen, for instance, in Paris. But there was a part of the crowd who was actually going crazy for Sinner, really crazy, like I, I almost never saw before for a tennis, uh, for an Italian tennis player. It was the kids, the children, the little children. Mm. Oh, he, he is adored by, uh, by little kids. And why? Because they don't have this whole bullshit uh, yet <laughs> embedded <laughs> into them. No, they don't know. Usually, uh, children don't know what uh, uh, race or ethnicity is, what color. They, it's, it doesn't matter. There's a young guy who is very at ease with uh, with kids, and uh, they just are naturally attracted to him. Yeah, maybe they they will grow up as. Uh, huge Yannick Sinner fans, hopefully. 
Eu falei, yes. Yes. Miki, you mentioned in the beginning of this episode that Yannick being born in Alto Adige is important for two reasons. What's the second? Yeah, I said two reasons because uh, when when I speak with uh, people not from Italy about Italy, the image they have, the stereotypical image they have is warm weather, a seaside, outdoors, camping, this kind of stuff. And actually, uh, one of the reasons why there is a big movement, big tennis movement in those days in Italy is exactly because all around Uh, the country, they started exploiting warm weather so you can play a lot more than in, in other parts of the world and, and all these kind of uh, benefits we have from the place we are in the middle of the Mediterranean. But Alto Adige is not quite like that. It's a place where it's cold and um, the winter is very harsh and to have... Uh, Good facilities is an effort. It's not something that is given by the nature. They need to build in those facilities. But as you were saying, uh, they are very good in investing the money they have from the taxes benefit they have. And so for uh, a reason that is not surprising, we had in the last decades two very good players coming from this area. Uh, one of them is Yannick Sinner, because, um, yeah, because the schools are good, the facilities are good, even if the weather is an enemy for tennis, they manage to create a, a movement that is actually very successful. And this also is probably one of the reasons why his preferred court is indoors that's that's where he shined the most so far and um, contrary to the tradition of italian players who are born on clay courts he was uh, born as a tennis player on indoor tennis courts and um, yeah it, it shows uh, a, a marked difference in, in the past in the in the last years There has been a movement um, led by the Italian Tennis Federation to invest more in the hard courts because that's where most of the pro tennis is played. But anyway, still the tradition of the Italian players is mostly based on clay courts, not for people who come from that part of Italy. Yeah. And let me mention that from Alto Adige, also Andrea Seppi and Karin Knapp. So if, if you look at the map from a place this small on the map, uh, having that many people very good at tennis is quite amazing. There's also another thing that is quite uh, striking about uh, Yannick uh, compared to what uh, average Italians do, but that's that's not only a, a thing that uh, belongs to, to Sinner, but it, it, it's quite more typical for um, athletes. But anyway, I think it's worth mentioning. When he was uh, still very young, it was at the beginning, let's say, of his career as a very young tennis player, he left his home. He went to uh, live 
in uh, Liguria, in Bordighera, which is a part of Italy very close to, to the French border and to Monte Carlo. He lived with the, the Riccardo Piatti Academy and with his family, actually. And I, I don't know exactly, I think it's, it, he left home at 13 or something like that. And that's absolutely unthinkable for most Italians, me included, <laughs> for instance. I mean, Italy is one of the nations in Europe where people leave their home later. The, the average for Italian men to leave the parental household is 32, something like that. Wow. Uh, and uh, for women is uh, 29. While, for instance, in Austria is uh, uh, 25 for women and 26 for, for men, which is more or less the average of the European Union. So that's another part of Yannick Sinner as a UFO in the Italian world. Yeah, the, yeah, that's that's incredible. Of course, the, one of the reasons is that, yeah, the facilities are good in, in on the Dolomites, but probably you need more structure and you can have structure only if um, you are in a place that is warmer and with better weather overall yeah. um, during the whole year. So yeah, that makes sense. But even if, even if this makes sense, it's incredible, the idea for an Italian to leave your household at, at 13 or 14, it's really, really incredible. Okay, so if we are uh, learning a lesson is to visit Dolomites and go there for skiing and for the beautiful, beautiful places you can you can visit all around. Uh, maybe for tennis, uh, if you want to come to Italy and play tennis, it's better to go in a warmer place uh, just because uh, that's, that's what Italy is famous for. Uh, otherwise, yeah, uh, have a walk, have a, a good ski on the Dolomites, and this is the place uh, I recommend. I really recommend to visit uh, if you, you're ever coming to, to Italy and you want to have a different experience of this country. This was the Yannick Sinner Show with Leonardo Poggi. I'm Mickey Fossati. Thank you for listening. Thank you, and goodbye.